looking crafty. You could make a raft out of pencils and foam. You sure looking happy. Hello. Hi. Uh, this is what, episode 42? I think you're right. The answer to right. everything? <laughs> is 42 the answer to everything? Yeah, it's the it's the answer to the meaning of life. Like it's a nerd joke. It's a oh, it's a nerd like, joke. Is that what? The life. What? what is it? The answer to life, the universe, and everything. Oh jeez. The meaning of life, the universe, and everything. It's from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I knew. I was like, wait, is this related to that giant book? <laughs> <laughs> Do you like how like that giant book could be War and Peace, or it could be um. You know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> That's how I heard it. <laughs> or the I dictionary. Like it. Those are big words. Big books. <laughs> well, it's big in meaning. I don't think itself is a very big book, but it's a series, and I didn't read the whole series. I oh, you know what? I'm having this moment of, like, my dog is trying to hide a bone in between some sheets over here, and it's really loud, and I apologize. But I can't hear the Oh, okay. But anyways, uh, what I'm trying to say is, I remember at Borders rest in pieces that there was a giant um metallic hologram book that i believe it was all of the books together ah. and it was massive and i just remember i was like every year they brought that thing out for christmas and i remember just seeing it and going nerds <laughs> <laughs> like, i ain't picking that thing up <laughs> it me <laughs> well it just it wasn't for me at the time but anyways I just remember seeing a giant version of it and I thought that was pretty amazing yeah Indeed. um so yeah this is episode number 42 of the Stitchcraft podcast <laughs> I'm Miranda I'm Island. we're here to help you escape from this pandemic <laughs> <laughs> for for the next 60-ish minutes we will try to entertain you we will do our best or entertain ourselves I would say most, we're going to entertain ourselves and hopefully that works out for you. All right. I keep hearing that people really enjoy, like, even though we think that we have the same voice, I think my voice is now lower um, than yours, but uh, you and I, we still think that we have the same voice, but uh, I've heard that people really like sitting, like sitting down and doing something while listening to us talk. Cause it just seems like we're in the room, like bar, like going back. Well, we certainly don't edit ourselves. No, not at all. Not one bit. (laughs) Because what did you say? Progress over perfection? Or someone famous said that? Or you did? I don't know. But Oh, I certainly didn't say that. But I have said that uh, the perfect is the enemy of the good. Ooh. Mm. And I can't remember where I heard that. Um, oh, and I do remember one of my um, instructors in residency, um, who is a cognitive behavioral therapist. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapist is his uh, his preferred Uh, mode of working Um, and he worked in the depression and anxiety clinics and he used to always tell us that if it's worth being done it's worth being done poorly (laughs) because it's worth being done we'll stop um that's a new life motto i like it Mm -hmm. um well (laughs) speaking of Actually, not speaking of anything, I was just trying to find a good transition. <laughs> it didn't work, so I'm just going to go for it. Because um, I realized I've only had a couple sips of my drink, and I'm already trying to write stuff down, and I'm not doing a good job. Like, I was like, it, it, and I misspelled it already. Like, this is bad. Like, 
says a lot about my headspace. Um, but anyways, what are you drinking? <laughs> well, first thing I'm doing is I'm trying to adjust the microphone because I had it next to my computer and the computer's fan was just going. Wah! So sorry about uh, all that noise. Um, I decided to make a Cosmopolitan. For some Ooh. reason, I feel like I've seen it coming back. You know, like people, you know, talking about the Cosmopolitan as being like this drink that was once very popular and then got kind of shunted to the side as people sort of didn't want to drink a, the Sex in the City drink, like they weren't a carry, and so they weren't drinking the Cosmo, and it was very 90s or early 2000s or whatever, but everything old is new again, and uh, I, there were two reasons that I decided I wanted to try making a Cosmo number one, because I actually don't remember what it tastes like. I haven't had one in literal decades. Um <laughs> And it's something that we, when I was in college, I had a friend who really liked them and they weren't bad, but I don't, I, at that point, I didn't have any taste or any preferences really to speak of anyway. So like if somebody gave me something to drink that didn't taste like garbage, I was like, okay, cool. That's fine. This is um, drinkable. It's also, I, I went to your college to visit a few times and we definitely had Jolly Ranchers in Zima. So, yeah. you know, high level of Absolutely. taste. <laughs> Absolutely. Still, I'm pretty sure they also had those Seagram's uh, wine. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the those Seagram's are. Seagram's spritzers. We didn't have those very oh, much. I those mean, were those are when we were growing up in Wisconsin, Miranda. That's like the 80s. There was one. The Seagram's coolers. It's not a maybe it's not a Seagram cooler. I just remember that your friends went out because obviously I couldn't buy alcohol, and uh, they bought something that was like bright blue in a four pack. And I was like, oh, the I fuck is what you're talking about. I don't remember what it was. Okay, maybe it wasn't Seagram's. But anyways, I just found that hilarious. It was like, Zima, this blue stuff. And then like, good times by all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Malibu. Mal not actually, no, Kahlua. I think I had more Kahlua at your college than I had. Um, yeah. Kahlua seemed to be the jam. And I just remember yes. going, what's, what's this? It <laughs> still is. White Russians it, are still delicious. They're still fucking fantastic. Um. But yeah, so oh, wait, so what's in a Cosmo? I don't so know. yeah, I know, right? I had to remind myself. Um, so it is essentially vodka, cranberry juice, lime juice, triple sec orange liqueur of some type. Mm -hmm. And um, I went into this like five minute rabbit hole of people's very very strong opinions about what is the correct what are the correct correct proportions and what is the right type of um, alcohol to use for each component. Um, but I think what really set this off was that, um, Ina Garten video. Did I, I sent you this, right? It's a video of Tell Ina Garten saying, she's basically doing this video saying, you know, in these times, I think, um, you know, we're all trying to take good care of ourselves. And I think it's really important that we maintain traditions. And in my household, you know, one of our favorite traditions is the uh, cocktail hour. And um, so I'm going to show you how to make one of my favorite cocktails, the Cosmopolitan. And so she gets out uh, and she's like, you know, we always have these with other people. Um, so the proportions I'm going to show you, you know, basically she go explains away the fact that she brings out a shaker the size of your head. <laughs> and she basically takes a bottle of vodka and she's like, so the, the recipe is two cups vodka, 
which she dumps in <laughs> like a cup of triple sec. I, can't, I don't remember all the ingredients. Um, but basically she makes this like one liter of cosmopolitan, shakes oh, it up Lord. and then pours it into this gigantic martini glass. It's the size of her face. And it's like, cheers. And it was so good. I can't remember who uh, sent it. Somebody yep, sent it I, to me. It was like, this was filmed at like 9 a.m. <laughs> I definitely have seen that. I didn't see her do, I posted a meme of it, but not with her like doing the recipe ahead of time. Cause when I saw her with a giant cocktail, I was like, oh boy. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's her, it's her show. She's, she's telling you about, you know, the importance of maintaining traditions and not to let those go in these difficult times. (laughs) And I was just like, oh my God, the, the, it was delivered so straight that you know that she's got to be such a good comedian to have delivered it as straight as she did. It was like you were watching Ina Garten, you know, teaching you how to make your own pasta. And instead it was the biggest cocktail ever. Exactly. And I was like, all right, well, if a cosmopolitan is good enough for Ina Garten, it's good enough for me. So I, um, like I said, went into that little five minute rabbit hole of everybody else's opinions about how to do it. Um, and I realized that I had literally just enough Cointreau to make one. So that's what I did. Oh. So okay. mine is um, two shots of um, vodka. And what I had was like a citrus vodka um, because I had been some, one of the things I'd read said that they recommended a citrus vodka. And I was like, well, I have a citrus vodka that somebody brought to my house ages ago and I don't drink vodka. I don't really enjoy I don't get inspired by vodka is what I should say. So um, all the vodka that we have in our house sits here forever. It never gets touched. (laughs) That bottle of citrus vodka could be a decade old for all I know. I I literally have no idea. Um, So I used two ounces of that, um, one ounce of, um, I was kind of debating on what version of cranberry to get. And I decided to get not, they don't call it cranberry juice cocktail, but they call it cranberry juice, but it's not really only cranberry juice, right? Because only cranberry juice is like so, yes. so tart. Yeah. It's like a mix of um, pear juice, grape juice, cranberry juice, but it is all juice. It's 100% yeah. juice um, with no added sugar because I didn't, I was, a, I didn't want it to be like sweet. Right. I think that kind of takes away. Like, if you want to have a sweet cocktail, you have a sweet cocktail. This is kind of a little bit, It it's done in a smaller glass, or at least, sorry, it's a highball, I think is what it's called. Martini glass. It's a martini glass. Oh, sorry, I'm terrible with the names of these things. Um, but yeah, you don't want it to be like, gulp, 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 gone. Like, you kind of, sick. Yeah, well, it's meant to be, I, and I never knew this, but it's meant to be a sour drink. Like, it's in the sour family, um, and because of the lime. And so the other thing that Ina Garden had said was that the uh, it, fresh lime juice she felt was important. And I was like, all right, I'm going to squeeze my own lime juice. And I have variable results with that. I think all of us do that. Like sometimes you free, you have fresh lime juice that you squeeze yourself and it's like extra, extra tart. And sometimes it's got a little sweetness to it. And so I'm always a little dodgy about doing that. But fresh citrus has a, like a floral quality to it also. Like it smells really nice. I was like, I'll give that a try. I'll I'll do it. Um, wow, so yeah, I was do the motions. I did. So it's two ounces vodka, one ounce cranberry juice stuff, um, three quarters ounce uh, 
Cointreau, which is everything that was left in the bottle anyway, and three quarters of an ounce fresh lime juice. And then I shook it up real good. And I'm having it. And I will yeah. say, um, I really love the smell of the fresh lime in it. Like it is so limey, but like I said, it also has a little bit of floral thing. It's aromatic, it, yeah. I'm oh, like it smells so The flavor, the, experience. the flavor is kind of meh, I'll be honest. Oh, well, you gave it a shot, A for effort. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. Like if, for an at-home cocktail, that really isn't that much work, like squeezing the lime juice, yes, but like otherwise you're not like, nobody's instructing you to like singe the edge of a citrus rind and, <laughs> you know, whatever. like it's not that, it's not that deep. Um, it's not bad. You use Himalayan pink salt. Yes. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not that, but um, what I can say, um, like as a direct comparison, is that so? This is a simple drink, right? Another drink that would fall into this category of simple drinks that are basically sour would be a margarita. I was just gonna say, like, this seems like a margarita family. Exactly, it's margarita family. Margarita is even simpler. It's like tequila, orange liqueur of some type, mm -hmm. lime. That's it. And. We have margaritas in our fridge right now from a local restaurant that um, had, they sold like to-go cocktails. Mm -hmm. And it's a restaurant that has like a secret bar in the back. And the secret bar also sold some cocktails that come with some razzle-dazzle. Like they made some homemade cotton candy to like put in the bottom and then pour the drink over. So it would have a layered type of sweetness that started off as like a dinner drink and then became an after dinner drink as you went. Like it, it was amazing. Um, but we also bought their margaritas because uh, I thought, well, I'm sure their margarita will be, it's a Oaxacan restaurant. So I was like, it'll be simple, but it'll be delicious. And sure enough, it is. So I am a little baffled as to why my drink that was also made with very simple ingredients and is, but was made fresh, um, is decidedly underwhelming to me compared to this other very similar type of drink that I have in my fridge. It's in a, like a, it's like in a to-go soup container. Like there's nothing beautiful yeah. about it, right? But like you pour that into a glass and you're like, mm, mm, it is so good. And I know they used fresh lime. I know they used, um, like they, they told us what they put in it. So it was Cointreau. And then they didn't say specifically. They usually add, they usually add Cointreau is what I was thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not just three. But, but I did too. So um, I'll add this. There's sugar because sometimes they add a little bit of sugar for the lime juice. Not saying this place does, but some places do. Um, because it's a like sometimes a simple syrup would go in there. Yeah, um, no, they did not. No they did add lime, or I'm sorry, salt. They added salt. They did add salt. And then I was gonna say salt. I think when you have salt in there, it just perks everything else up. Yes, absolutely. So, I think that maybe absolutely. it's just like your senses are played on a little differently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I will talk about it more later because it's one of my gold stars, but um, there is a different Cosmo recipe that I have not tried because I haven't gotten to that part of the thing that I will talk about my gold stars yet. But um, right. there is another Cosmo recipe that I am looking forward to giving a try. So, and this is basically, you know, a juice cleanse. Lime juice, <laughs> cranberry juice, wheat juice. Well, you know, 
I, uh, I made um, pasta. I made carbonara. I didn't make pasta. I made carbonara last night. And nice. that's because New York Times told me to eat my feelings. And I was like, right on, I will. I'll do and that. <laughs> I'll do that. But I totally ate my feelings. So I was like, I need to eat healthier today. Like, I definitely need to slow it down. So my my option for my cocktail tonight is um, breakfast for dinner, a Bloody Mary. Um, I noticed that you and I both had opted for vodka-based cocktails. And we are not, we are not typically a cocktail podcast. No, we are not. We are generally more of a beer fan. Mm-hmm. But I was... When you were like, I gotta go make a drink before we start. I was like, hmm, I'll make a drink. I had a bit of a weird time at the dog park today. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what I have is a very regional uh, specific Bloody Mary. I'll start with my vodka is Tattersall, small batch vodka. And Tattersall is in um, here in Northeast Minneapolis. It's less than a, maybe it's a mile away, maybe even closer. Anyways. It's a really beautiful distillery that they have um, that you can go and visit and sit at their bar and have delicious cocktails. I definitely want to take you there. They're really known more for gin, but, you know, as Tattersall has continued for quite some time, they now have had enough time to do other types of liquors and things like that. So, um, yeah, their vodka gin, pretty popular, but um, they have other stuff, too. I think it's great. And then while I was at my local grocery store slash the only place within 50 miles of here that allows to sell liquor because it's grandfathered in i bought i bought them the vodka and i bought this bloody mary mix um so this is stout bloody mary blend it's smoky spicy and bold according to the label i agree um and it's i guess they're out of chicago and detroit they have two different locations what i know and i've never seen them before and i've been trying I know. So I, I will definitely tag this in the post, but um, it's really great. I really love it's vegan, gluten-free, no high fructose corn syrup, which I really dig. Um, yes. And it's in, a, it's in a glass container, which also is my jam. Y'all know I try not to buy plastic. So I was, when I saw it, I was like, yes, I will spend double the price <laughs> on this. Yeah. But it's so good. I don't even add, I don't need to add pepper or hot sauce or anything. It is spicy enough tasty enough i'm still getting little bits of horseradish i was like wow this thing is set it was ready it's exactly That's the way awesome I wanted. yeah i thought that was super good it was a great find i'm definitely gonna buy more of it um because i think this would trick all my friends into thinking i know what i was doing <laughs> when it comes to bloody mary i remember one time when you and i were younger we would go to the oneida village inn again rest in peace um and it was in town in three lakes and it was when we could both drink so I think I think we went there when we could drink. I can't remember, but we were there with our dad and one of our friends was behind the bar as a bartender and we were like, Oh, do you know how to make a bloody Mary? And she's like, I don't. I just throw a bunch of shit in there and everyone seems to like it. <laughs> I just remember going, Really? And I just watched her make stuff and she was like, hip, 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 and someone was like, More horseradish. She was like, Yeah, okay. She just threw the kitchen sink in there and everyone loved it. Um, and I always laugh about that because I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing with the Bloody Mary either. Like, I'm just hoping. I hope I figured it out. Um, but it's a good it's a good thing. Also, I'm the weirdo, totally the weirdo on a plane when asked if they want to drink. Sometimes I'll just get a can of Bloody Mary mix. No vodka. I just like the Bloody Mary mix. It's, it's well I got low seasoned. Blo- it's well seasoned, and I got low blood pressure. Let's go for it. Like, give me all your salt. I don't care. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, So, yeah, I'm a big fan. And then something that is traditionally Midwestern, you got to have a snit, the uh, 
uh, your little beer back that goes with your Bloody Mary. And here in Minnesota, they don't let you just pick, they don't just give you a light beer like they do in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, you're like, here's your packs. Here's yeah, your, yeah, you definitely have old like style. a Milwaukee, old Milwaukee beer back. Yeah. yeah. And it's also like a tiny glass. Like they don't mm-hmm. even give you a full beer. But here, it's a full beer with your drink, or at least near three quarters full if it's in a glass. Um, which I thought was amazing. And I remember the first time someone asked me what snit I wanted. And I was like, what is a snit? You mean that? I know what a beer back is. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, yeah, my beer back. And they're like, it's a snit here. And I was like, great. They're like, what do you want? And I was like, what do you got? They're like, our entire beer menu is right over here. And I was like, you're going to let me choose an IPA and really fuck myself up. Really? Really? (laughs) That's what you're going to do. And they'd let me. So anyways, um, I'm having Summit's uh, juicy IPA called Slugfest. Still don't understand why it's called Slugfest, but um, it's an unfiltered IPA with a citrus hop punch. And uh, it does slow me down from drinking too much of this Bloody Mary too fast. Nice. Because <laughs> this, this will make me, you know, I drink, I drink these two things together on a brunch happy hour phone call with a friend on a weekend. And I was taking a nap later, so I'm I'm taking it easy on this podcast. So uh, Bloody Mary brings out a very important question, which is the question of garnishes. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when we were younger, when we went out, like, so my dad uh, never drank a Bloody Mary unless we had gone to the Oneida Village for Sunday brunch. And the order was always Bloody Mary, no solids. <laughs> that was the order and so dad had a, you know, <laughs> dad has a very strong opinion about literally everything but he had a quite strong opinion about garnishes um so i'm curious your position on garnishes so i didn't like bloody mary's until maybe until like until i lived in california and coming back to the midwest i was like I need a good Bloody Mary and I need it in a tiny cup and I need it from the American Legion on the 4th of July in Three Lakes. Like there's yes. rules, <laughs> there's, yes. there's expectations. And from that, I was like, oh, I kind of like them now. Um, I am a fan of a pickle and I don't normally eat pickles, but I'm fine with a dill beer or I do like a good celery stock because I feel like that's a refreshing crunch. So I keep, a celery stock in, I keep a celery stock in mind. I do like vegetables. I don't like mm-hmm. olives because it's already salty. And mm-hmm. I'm just not a big olive fan. But I'm a fan of a, a pickle or of a um, celery stick. The thing that I don't, and I, everyone knows that I will gladly eat this stuff anyway. But if I'm at a fancier place that has a Bloody Mary with like cheese curds on it, like on a little stick or something, of course I'm going to eat that. Or like a little bit of salami is cool. But when we were in Chicago and then also in uh, Three Lakes, there was a couple places that started doing like a slice of pizza and like, a, <laughs> you know, like a hamburger on a stick or a corn dog. I was like, this needs to stop. It's too much. Too much. Too much. <laughs> so I think that's my only thing is like, I hated the idea of almost spilling my cocktail. And it yeah, of- you can, you can definitely like, it's not just off balance in terms of flavor, but physically off balance. <laughs> <laughs> the center of gravity is too high. The over under was bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, that's my only thing. And I, I understand the fun of it though. I absolutely do. And I think it's fun for people who've never had that stuff to order that stuff. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. it comes with bacon and cheese curds and, you know, uh, a farm. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but 
Yeah. So what's, what's your garnish choice? I'm curious. Um, I like garnishes. I don't like, and I don't want there to be so many that my face can't get next to the glass. <laughs> right. So I definitely like the ones that sort of look like a salad coming out of the top. That's a bit much. Um, I love pickles. And so the extra saltiness in there is not a problem for me. I prefer like the Vlasic pickles are like nice and crunchy and they stay rigid. Like they've got that good pickling lime in there that keeps them, they keep their shape. Cause a floppity yeah. pickle that's now covered in more liquid just makes it a mess be, everywhere. It's just on the bottom of your glass. Then you gotta look like an asshole trying to stick your hand in there to get it. Like, <laughs> um, So I do, so there's a place in um, Ypsilanti called Sidetrack and Sidetrack when I lived there before, did not serve brunch, but they did have a Bloody Mary bar. And you could definitely make brunch out of that Bloody Mary bar. It was <laughs> like, like the best part about that Bloody Mary bar, and I apologize if I'm ruining it for everybody now because they're going to change it, but um, because I definitely got way more than my money's worth out of that. Because what would happen is you'd buy the Bloody Mary buffet, basically. And what they would do is they would bring you um, just the pint glass with ice and some vodka in the bottom. And then you got to go up to the bar and decide like which version of the uh, tomato mix you wanted and which garnishes you wanted and all that kind of stuff. Well, on a Sunday Bloody Mary buffet, those people are hungover as shit. So they take forever to go through that line. So the way that the line was constructed, it was at the beginning of the line, you had, um, I can't remember if it was the liquid first or the garnishes first, but either way, you were not getting through that entire line in an efficient, orderly manner. So I would just stand there eating the garnishes that I thought looked good while I waited for the people <laughs> who were at the front taking their sweet ass time. And so I would just lodge myself next to the bacon and just eat like this delicious <laughs> cut pepper bacon which I had no intention of putting in my drink at all. Um, you just wanted some bacon. <laughs> yep. I wanted some bacon. They had some sausage. They had cheese. They had uh, pickles. They had olives. I can't even remember all the things that they had. But I would just sit there grazing while these, like, people who were, because I wasn't hungover. I was just there, you know, because I actually enjoyed, you know, being there. Um, but they were taking so long. I was like, well, I'll just be eating these. I'm good. I was going to put it in my drink. Not really, but you know. Um, so, Island, when you die and you go up to heaven and they replay your life, do you think that's going to come up on the reel of like, you done fucked up? Like, <laughs> the, things, the things that you did that cheated people out of their money? Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. that over my years in Michigan, I definitely spent a good amount of time and money at Sidetrack, so I don't feel guilty. But if that yeah. was the only thing I'd ever gone there for, I would. No, you definitely, we all went there a bunch, so I dig mm -hmm. that. I just love the idea of this footage being shown to you, you know, Played up back in heaven. At the just like, gate. there you are, having six pieces of bacon. Did you realize you had six pieces that day? Like, like Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. I knew what I was doing. I, knew exactly I made a conscious choice. Like I said, I wasn't even hungover. <laughs> I knew exactly what I was doing. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> Um, you're right. They will be changing that and go forward probably because, uh, you know, because the world won't be the same. So, you know, <laughs> that also, yeah. Well, um, I appreciate discussing Bloody Marys because it is not a thing I generally like, oh, can't wait for a Bloody Mary. But no. now I'm like, 
I'll admit, I in my pandemic panic, I bought lots and lots of different types of alcohol because I was like, I, what if I want one? I don't want to go to the store. Like, <laughs> I actually got into an argument with someone who's like, I got to go to the store. I'm out of stuff. But I was like, you went last week. And they're like, oh, yeah, I go every week. And I was like, stop going every week. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> stop it. Um, so anyways, yeah, I, I, I bought alcohol like I was going to my bunker. You know, <laughs> because so, basically I did. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> lots of stuff to drink and talk about. But uh, how's your what's your works in progress? You've been busy. I have been busy. Um, let's see. So most of the time, actually, I have been uh, teaching myself how to use the sewing machine. So anybody who's ever listened to this podcast before knows that I am not a sewer. That is not a thing I do. Um, Not because I am like offended at the idea of it, but like when I was younger, I was really bad at it. Um, And since then, I haven't really had any motivation to get better. You know, like I knit and crochet and like that does that does it for me. And I don't really feel and I think the other thing that that I didn't like about sewing is I didn't like this is an idea. It's not an experience that I had, but it was an idea that I didn't like sewing because you couldn't undo it like if you made a mistake if you cut the fabric the wrong way like Mm. there's there's some things you just can't fix there's some things you just can't undo whereas with knitting and crocheting there's very little that you can't undo to the point that nobody would ever know you made that mistake you know like there are a couple things like steaks and things like that like there there are things where it, it would be a problem but um for the most part no And with sewing, like, it's definitely, you know, sort of like people tell you when you're doing, like, housework or carpentry, like, you measure twice, cut once, because that's the the opportunity you have, you know, and if you mess it up, (laughs) I think I was really scared of that. But um, because uh, the CDC came out with recommendations about wearing fabric face masks, I was like, all right, if there ever was a time, now is your time. Plus, um, I wanted to support my local... um, uh, I was about to call it a home ec shop. The shop is called home ec. Um, <laughs> and it is a shop that carries things that you would need for home ec. So fabric, notions, yarn, um, shears, you name it. And so um, I screwed up my courage and I got out the machine. I got out the manual and I made myself like just page by page, go through the manual. And I will say that, so what I have is mom's old sewing machine, which is not old, old, um, but it's like a, a Husqvarna. It's a, nice, it's a nice base model. Yeah. It's the base. It's called the Emerald 116. And then there's like the 118 and the 120 or something like that. But so it's the base model. So mm-hmm. um, that will come into play in a moment when I tell you how I know it's the base model. Um, so I was, uh, I, I read through that manual page by page and I did every single thing that it told (laughs) me to do and it worked. So I know that sounds hilarious, but like how many times have you read the manual for something and you're like, okay, well that could be interpreted a couple different ways. And I don't know which way they mean. Like this was like detailed to the point where they had like drawings. It's very Ikea. It's like they, they were going to show you every single picture of every single step and the thread is supposed to come off the spool in this direction when you put it in in this orientation like it was great um 
I still broke two needles on the first mask I made because when I was a kid, girl, you know, I sewed right over my pins. (laughs) And so I did it again. (laughs) And that doesn't work when you're trying to, like you can sometimes get away, I think with sewing with your pins still in place, if you're doing it slowly um, and depending on the stitch that you're using. Um, But I was sewing through, the pins were holding pleats in face masks. So it's like six layers of fabric plus no. a pin and the machine was just like nope <laughs> just, but also like the feed dogs on a sewing machine have a tendency to grab that's the whole point uh-huh. of what a feed dog does is it grabs and so when it can grab onto a needle it's just like mm, yes this is stable <laughs> and then it like sometimes will even like force it back into a spot that you're like no that's not what i was saying yeah. but um no it also like i feel like a lot of our home sewing that we did it back in the day when we were kids was a much larger stitch size. Yeah. Um, just a little bit more forgiving. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was texting Miranda while I was doing this. I was like, okay, so I'm going to do this and do this and do this. And she's like, yep, that all sounds good. Um, and then I, I can't remember what I said. I think I was telling you that I'd broken a needle and you're like, oh, well, you want to make sure that you're not on, I said, you know, it just got I going see. too fast. And you were like, yeah. well, make sure it's not on high speed. And I was like, girl, I don't think this machine has a high speed. <laughs> it was just regular speed that freaked me out. <laughs> like regular speed. I was like, oh, oh, no. Island. Oh, my God. When I was in fashion school and we had to use the industrial sewing machines, Ooh. nothing gave me more fear. Nothing. Because there ain't no stick. There's no guards. There's nothing. The, the pedal, like the pedal just. It is big and it's fast and it's un- like, it just, I couldn't believe how many fingernails it went through on other people. Like it's terrifying. Like That's I so felt like sad. fashion school was, I was not prepared for how much damage I was going to give myself. I didn't have that problem, but I also like steered clear of them as much as possible unless I was forced to use one. Oh, they were painful. Um, but uh, they're amazing. They can sew through anything, <laughs> but um yeah, the fact that like you're like this is just going too fast. And I was like, oh, your heart, turn it down. And you're like, I can't. <laughs> it's just the regular speed. <laughs> but and you're meanwhile, not. I... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I didn't hurt myself. <laughs> just you know, broke a few you know needles in the process. And once you start breaking a couple needles, you're like, oh, it's no big deal. And then you're like, wait, this pack cost me this much. And this is this size. And I, oh no, like you start going, I always go through the math of how much it would cost me. But you know what? You know, can I give you a little like surprise story? Mom gave me all of her sewing supplies, almost all of them, when I, um, when I took her sewing machine to college. And all of my, I still have so many needles from West Germany. <laughs> like that's how <laughs> old those needles are. <laughs> I'm always just like, oh, where is this from? West Germany. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Still good. Yeah. <laughs> but and I realized, like, as I kept breaking those needles, I was like, these are heirlooms. <laughs> <laughs> these are from a place that no longer exists. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so what machine Bruce do you Springsteen have? in Berlin. What's that? What machine do you have? I have mom's new home, which new home was then purchased by Genome. And Genome is a much, it is a pretty standard brand along with Singer. Um, they're pretty known at the same kind of level. Husqvarna is a nicer model of sewing machine, but 
genome sell genome and Singer both also sell lots of high level expensive machines. Like they run the gamut. But Husqvarna's mm-hmm. basic model is a very nice model, <laughs> like in comparison. Oh, I just totally kicked a metal trash can. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so I have mom's new home. And my favorite thing about the new home is that I can use anything from a genome on it. Like they really oh. just like, they, that's almost universal. Nice. Um, so when I was in school, they had a lot of genome home machines at the school that were like, you know, decades younger than the one that mom had, but they all use the same presser feet. Um, they all used a lot of the same like tools and stuff. So it was great. The same bobbins. It was awesome. So um, it's a pretty universal machine. However, with the one that mom bought at that time, which was, I think, I don't know if it's from 1981 or 82, but it was when we were little, little kids because she had bought it um, with some funds, especially like an inheritance. She had bought it and it was a really nice model. Um, And there's, it looks like a white, it looks like a white sewing machine. So it looks modern, but Mm -hmm. it was white painted enamel. Like it's, it's, it's a cast it's a cast um, iron, I guess, body, but wow. it's painted, it's enameled white. So it looks modern, but it's heavy as fuck. I used to have to carry it as my carry-on whenever I'd fly back from Philly to Detroit because um, it was 30 pounds. I was like, I ain't putting this on the in check luggage. No way. I would carry it as my carry-on. But, I had no um, idea. It is heavy and I love it. And when mom tried to give me another sewing machine, because she's like, oh, I got this nice new one, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I want your old heavy ass one because it goes through denim because it's heavy enough it, as it it can um withstand that amount of um force I guess I mm-hmm. guess <laughs> like of things that need to go through it so just it's great I still That's love awesome. it I've I've had it conditioned maybe maybe four times I should really do it more often like people who are home sewers that are really really serious like I have a friend who um, knows how to clean and maintain all of her machines that she buys lots of old, old, old machines. I am not of that level. So I take it to get it done, but mm-hmm. um, it served me so well. It's so it's had all of my collections for college. It's done all my quilting. It's done countless pairs of boxers for guys. I know that sounds like a weird gift, but I used to love making boxers. They were really fast. I really like making them, but um, everything. It made my prom dresses shit. Mm-hmm. Was, that machine has been with me all my life. So yeah, yeah, literally. Because if it, if she purchased it in '81 or '82, that is definitely your whole life. And every time I get it um, serviced, I've lived in so many different cities where I've gotten it serviced. Every time the guy's like, "Oh, this is one of those machines before they went plastic," and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> like it has all the modern stitch styles and all the options, but it's also." rugged and it like holds on to you know it has the old standards and the the uh the lifetime of use will be on its side (laughs) so anyways yeah I love it I love it so much awesome yeah Yeah, I never thought I'd be that compassionate about a machine but here I am (laughs) well I think you know the more that um you continue doing these kinds of um like home handicrafts and things, the more you realize that there, there are certain versions of a thing that are just more robust. They just, they withstand more. They are more resilient to the, the slings and arrows of everyday life. And uh, some of those things you can still get, but you have to pay like a very, very serious premium for them. 
um, and all the things that are a little more, you know, easy to afford are maybe not as resilient as those other things are. So, you know, you have to kind of figure your budget in terms of like what you can afford. And in, in some cases, what you can afford if you don't want to have to spend a lot of time trying to maintain it or fix it, you know? Yeah. I will say for people that are interested in sewing, a lot of the machines that you see at thrift stores or at yard sales, they're, if they're old, they're, uh, they're like a color. <laughs> That's usually the sign of like, it's old, it's a color. Um, it, the, the things that you need repaired on it are so minimal. And often it's just a cleaning, like a really good cleaning and conditioning that they're worth their money if you buy them at a garage sale. And if you want something that can really last and just do basic stitching, like you really don't need that many stitches in this world. You just need like no. four. So anyways, just saying if people like are on a budget, look for, you know, yard sales, look for that kind of stuff. And just know that if you get it really well cleaned by a professional who goes deeply into like the crevices and get all the dust bunnies out of there, it, they run like new and they stay good. They still make parts for all of them. That's the one thing I find fascinating is that there's a huge aftermarket still for sewing supplies. So it's interesting. Cool. Um, sorry, I just nerded out like, whoa, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so um, about like what else like what you were selling in particular though. You were doing you were doing the cloth mask, but you did a couple. Well, I did like, two different styles. So I tried to figure out I thought I decided that the thing I would do the first was the pleated style of mask. Um because all you have to do is cut two rectangles that are the same size. You stitch those together and then you pleat them so that they would be, they would fold over the face a little bit better. Um, and so I thought, well, that'll be easier because it, it's two pieces, like literally two pieces of fabric. Like you can't fuck it up. And it's true. You can't. Um, but in my experience, it did not fit the face very well. So I started with what was supposed to be the adult average size so it was like two nine uh nine by eight pieces of fabric and it made a mask that was so big on my face that it just it like hit my um like my neck like my oh. clavicles like it was very it was way too big you, um, your clavicles well like it came down you know all the, so like if i oh, if okay. i uh it started at the bridge of my nose it came all the way down over my mouth all the way down over my chin and if i was looking straight ahead it wouldn't touch my chest. But if I looked down a little bit, it hit my chest. And I was like, that's too much. Wow. So okay. I made uh, the adult small, which is like an eight by eight square. And that made it better. Um, but it's just really hard. Like it, I would have had to play with that for so long to get the pleats sewn down in the correct place to make it fit my face well. Um, and I decided that at that point, I was willing to take a risk on the modified Olsen. So the modified Olsen pattern um, is six pieces. So it's two pieces on the front and there's mirrors of each other. So it's three pieces and then mirror three pieces. So it curves over your nose a little bit better. Um, and basically the way, the reason that it's six pieces is because the way they tell you to stitch it together leaves a, a channel in the middle for putting in a filter. So if you are somebody who really does need a filter, um, you can put the filter inside and then take the filter out and wash the mask itself. And I was afraid of the modified Olsen because um, it's got curves 
right? And like, if I'm not very good at sewing, I'm afraid that I'm going to screw up the curve. I'm going to, like, who knows, you know, the, the seam allowance is also much smaller on that pattern. So the seam allowance on the pleated version is a half inch. The seam allowance on the modified Olsen is like a quarter inch, which is like, you know, when that, when you push down that pedal too fast, it just goes, you know, so uh, anyway, so I made the pleated ones. Then I decided to try to make the modified Olsons, and I love them so much more. And uh, you had found a video from, I want to say like Northwood Memorial or some hospital in Minneapolis or in the Minnesota area, where um, a physician who is also a quilter does a step-by-step video showing you how to stitch each piece together. And I watched the video once, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. And then I put my iPad next to me while I was sewing the first one. And I would just start it, watch my step, pause the video, do that step. Um, and I did that two times. And now I don't need to watch the video anymore. It was, she did such a good a job of explaining it. Um, the mask itself is really not tricky to make, although it can seem intimidating at first. Um, yeah, so I've been making those uh, for folks who need them because obviously, um, there is a greater demand for them now that the CDC has made that recommendation. So I like it much better. And the, what the only modification that I made to it is that um, I don't put any elastics in it because obviously elastic is in short to supply and some people have allergies and yada, yada, and you don't need the elastic, you know, you could use like shoelaces. Um, so you just make, you take the mask and the parts that would normally go all the way back toward your cheeks, you just fold them back on themselves and that makes a little channel and then you run your shoelaces or your string or whatever through that and then you can tie it to your head however you like like if you like it behind your ears great if you don't tie it around the back of your head great so it all works yeah so that's that is what i've been doing and then i did actually today pick up your shawl to start doing the darning <laughs> on the shawl um and it just it, it's slow going, but it is, I am better at it than I was the first time I did it. So it, it doesn't feel as frustrating as it did. Um, and uh, it's looking better too when I do it. Like I getting my tension is better than it was before. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so that, that is. That, that chewed a hole into that. And <laughs> she's really cute and real sweet. But man, I'm so mad that she chewed that shawl. <laughs> well, so hopefully when all of this is done, you would only know if you look on the wrong side. So <laughs> that's the idea. Um, it's so cool. How about you? Picking that up. Um, so what I've been working on, I actually haven't been sewing. Um, I think a lot of people have asked me why I haven't made some like cool denim masks yet and all these other stuff. And there's just been so many more people who have picked up the, the torch on that. And so I've been going out of my way to buy masks from people who I know are making them who may not be employed right now. So I'm trying to buy them from people versus like, you know, I still have work. I still have full-time work. So mm -hmm. I, I've just been trying to buy stuff. So when someone's like, Oh, do you want something? Do you want some, this? Or you want that? I'm like, I'll pay you. I'll pay you. I'll pay you. Like mm -hmm. I have money. Let me throw money at this and make sure that I'm like giving people, you know, what, you know, their, their labor, their, yeah. their fair share of it. So I bought two masks from my friend, Amy, the other day, she's been making, I think she's on to a hundred masks at this point. She's done a huge effort. And she also had her husband and um, 
their babysitter that they had from time to time got kicked out of the dorms here at University of Minnesota. So she's living with them up in their like guest room way up at the top of the house. So they made a production line of it. It was nice. really awesome. So I bought two Olsen masks from her. Um, I feel like they fit pretty well. They do fit pretty well. I will think that, I do think that mine might be a little small, but it's better that it's small than it is to be too big. Mm. You don't want it to like flop around. Yeah. Um, the other thing is I've seen a lot of people doing the pleated surgical masks and then they go over the pleats and sew them down mm-hmm. either separately in an angle or they do it straight with a line straight down to limit the amount of growth from the pleats. Just because fabric is so much more flexible than paper or this, mm-hmm. uh, we, we call it non-woven um, fabrics. But it's a non-woven, non-knitted fabric is what surgical masks are made out of. So um, that's where I'm like, oh, you got to kind of limit it somehow, some way. So mm-hmm. I've seen people, if you want to like save what you made, maybe sewing down the pleats a little bit. just Yeah, a little more aggressively. Yeah. Yeah. So just a little bit further in so that maybe it only stretches over the, the mouth and the nose and then the rest kind of stay tight. Um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not sewing just because I think that there's a lot going on for me personally, but I am doing an apocalypse garden. Um, people are calling it the apocalypse garden instead of victory garden. Like during yeah. World War II, a lot of people ran. Um, there was a huge effort on behalf of the United States government to get people to um, grow their own food and feed their own families. And that was like a big part of the, you know, the supply chain of how they managed things in the United States. Because like they needed to make sure that certain agriculture went to troops, not to, you know, not to families. So I am, I'm amazed and kind of like worried (laughs) that so many people have started growing their own food. And I don't know how successful it's going to be for everybody, but I definitely, in my pandemic po- panic, bought twenty dollars worth of seeds the other day, and um, I've got more lettuce than anybody else. Like I am fixing. I, that's the other thing. Is like I totally went down the path of buying my seeds based on what I eat. I eat a ton of salads, and the things I add to my salads, that's what I also bought. So like radishes, peas, carrots, um, nice. that kind of stuff, and then of course lots of herbs. Because why not? Because why not? Um, yeah. You want that yeah. flavor? Right. And also, like, I'm getting ready to make some pesto. Let's do this. Like, mm. so. I Fresh basil so good. It's so worth it. And every time I buy a store, like a store fresh pot, it lasts. This is the longest one I've gotten going so far. But I decided, like, it's not long for this world in my life. Like, I don't, I either overwater or don't give enough sunlight to basil. It's I know it's not tricky for anyone else, but it's tricky for me, damn it. I don't know why, but um, I can grow anything else. But basil's, you know, left me concerned. Cilantro, too, even though I know that's really easy. Cilantro is, well, cilantro, you got to you gotta gather it when it wants to be gathered. Otherwise, you have coriander, and that's it. Ah, uh, well, so I, it's currently growing, and I might have overseeded my little starters, so I need to go and break those up. And I got big pots to do that so I can have kind of like larger um, indoor gardens. And I know that sounds weird to have an indoor garden, but I have a, have a three season porch that gets hot as a, as a, as like a, a hot house, essentially. It's just ridiculously hot that in the summertime, I don't want to be there. <laughs> but uh, 
yeah, I'm currently growing a bunch of stuff. We'll see what happens. I'm trying to see if I can do it indoors only because there are so many critters in my neighborhood. There's no way I can have vegetables out there unless they're completely covered. Mm. Like no way. Um, So we'll see what happens. If not, I'm going to find a way to get to my farmer's market. We'll figure it out. So um, yeah, I'm doing my, my gardening. I don't want to call it an apocalypse garden, but I do think it's, I'm, I'm doing more than just regular plants. Like I did before, like regular nice house plants. The other thing I thought was fascinating is because seeds are in high demand, a lot of people are sharing seeds, which I thought was nice. just such a sweet thing. So I kind of love that back and forth with my friends about like, I bought this. Do you want some of this? Like you can only have so many seedlings, you know? Well, so. and people are trading uh, sourdough starters and things like that. So I'm into Absolutely. it. I'm into it. Everybody's trying to make sure that everybody else has I will say this is maybe not, maybe not everybody has this experience, but it does seem to me that there are a lot of folks out there trying to make sure that everybody has the things that they need and tries to continue having social interaction with each other from a safe distance by doing things like this, you know, which is awesome. It is awesome. So that's what I'm working on gardening right now. But so shall we talk some gold stars? Yes. All right, hit it. Okay, Um, so this gold star is a little premature because I have not gone into it as deeply as I would like, but I I feel not only confident that it is a good gold star, but also I wanna make sure that people hear about it um, while they have the opportunity to act. (laughs) So um, there is an online learning platform called Masterclass which I'd seen ads for a million times and I was like, who cares? Um, but I, they advertised to me over and over again and finally they found the thing that melted me. So previously they had, you know, they, they have master classes from like Neil Gaiman on writing and um, RuPaul on, you know, business acumen. So it's not like I didn't feel that they had good uh, value. It just wasn't speaking to me. And then they advertised that they had a, a mixology class from um, two people whose names I do not remember, but the the female of the of the uh, partnership, this teaching partnership, um, is a woman who um, works at a really famous bar in New York and was like really important in the cocktail scene, like becoming a thing in New York. And then the male. Um, instructor is a guy who goes by the nickname uh mr lion but he's a uh he is a bartender and uh restaurateur i think but at least a cocktail person in uh, london and he his bar dandelion had won like best bar in the world um in 2018 and then promptly closed to reconfigure itself (laughs) Um, but anyway so the two of them um teach this mixology class together and I thought okay you got me let's just see what the situation is and um it the classes are uh the the master class platform you don't purchase a class you purchase access to the platform so um it could seem really expensive depending on how you use it or it could seem very affordable and so the cost is for a year subscription is $180. And in that 
$180, you can take as many classes from as many of the instructors as you like. You can view them over and over and over again. Um, and they have everything from like interior design to interpersonal effectiveness to public speech. Like it's, it's everything. It's a huge array of things. Um, so uh, that in, its, in of itself is very cool. Um, but the thing that I think is really cool about right now is that they are doing a deal uh, where if you buy the $180 year subscription, you get a free subscription to give to anybody you want to. And so um, I bought the year subscription and I gave the um, guest subscription to mom because she said she thought she would use it. And I'm not kidding you when I say that mom watched stuff long before I did. Like I was excited about it, but I didn't really have immediate time. And mom immediately signed up for um, uh, Alice Waters's classes on cooking, which involved like <laughs> teaching you how to go to the farmer's market and how to pick seasonal fruits and vegetables for your cooking and all that stuff. And mom was just like, I love it. It's so great. I think it was like 24 hours before she watched Alice Waters classes. She was so. so excited though. Like we were in a group text and she brought up master class and you're like, oh yeah, I've been thinking about it too. And she was like, well, this is what I want. I'm like, okay. All right. Linda. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so great. I'm I love that mom is, when she says she's interested, she's interested. Like yes. a lot of us say things in passing. When Linda says she's in, she's in 110% in. So that's an awesome, I'm so glad you were able to share that with her. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, right now, um, like I said, I don't know how long that deal is going on, but it makes it, so like if you and your friend wanted to do it together, that makes it 90 bucks for the whole year and there is a lot of stuff on there. There are a lot of, um, like, Gordon Ramsay teaches beginning cooking. Um, like and I said, Neil Gaiman teaches writing. Fashion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, tons of stuff. No, and it's, whoever put this together knows the world. Mm -hmm. Like, they yeah, know I the think, best people. Yeah, <laughs> the there were some other, um, there were some other writers that were teaching classes about different aspects of writing, like uh, writing nonfiction, writing poetry. Um, it was so cool. So, so yeah, that's, that is my gold star. Like I said, I have not delved into it quite to the degree that mom has, but uh, I wanted to make sure to put it out there now because people could get a bit of a price discount on it, which is neat. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing the special. I think that might change some people's minds about stuff. Um, I'm going to add on to your, your um, gold star. Not be, this is not tech. This is like my temp, my, uh, not temporary, my secondary gold star before I get to my main gold star. But um, I believe this group is called creative mornings. Have you heard of it? Mm -mm. It's creative um. mornings is a, um, it's essentially like for creative career people. And it's a lot of like resources and classes. They always have them in the mornings so you can get on with your day. Mm -hmm. um, and they do their work. And I'm, I'm really hoping I got the names right. I'm pretty sure it's creative mornings. But um, they have multiple offices and places that put on um, lectures uh, throughout, you know, the United States. However, because everything is how to go to, you know, tele telecommuting and teleconference, they're now offering a lot of free classes on 
um, how to get work done at home. And like literally the class is called how to get shit done. And I'm yeah, nice. like, yay, I'm going to take it. And then I also took a meditation during tough times class. And this woman was there and she taught people how to do um, a tapping method. I think it's called EFT or something like that. Um, I'm probably just totally misquoting this. Sorry, Bloody Mary. This is what happens now. But um, she gave, <coughs> oh, that was definitely a piece of peppercorn and horse. <laughs> Straighten my throat. Sound like a real genius over here. <laughs> Anyways, um, but what I thought was amazing is that a lot of these sources of, you know, what you pay to join or pay to be a part of, they're giving great deals or they're giving free content. So Creative Mornings is giving free content on, you know, on business and strategy for yourself, as well as like self-care, as far as like meditation and how to like deal with tough times and how to get things done now that you're in a virtual space. Or maybe you're not in a virtual space. Maybe you're an essential worker. There's a lot of things to take from it. Um, so I thought that was really interesting that so many places are offering that for free. I know that Peloton is also offering free. Their app, I think, is free for two months right now. All right. Something like that. They're also doing a two-month free trial at home, which I only got one month free, so I'm a little mad about that right now. <laughs> um, but Peloton, as well as any other of these, like, lifestyle apps are offering like on their app they do um stretching meditation yoga um body weight like um try to remember what that is isometric exercises like there's a lot of what's that body weight exercises yeah body weight exercises i was like it's not isometric that's like geometry am i right (laughs) yeah isometric exercises are when you don't move but you tense your muscle you know yeah I did do an isometric yoga class today on Peloton. But anyways, the point is, if you thought that these things were above you, they're not anymore. It's, this is the great equalizer, this whole situation. Um, not to say, I'm not going to say the virus is equalizing because that's not true. Because I believe that is very, um, it's very prevalent amongst different classes, different races right now. And it's very serious that way. But I will say that resources at this moment, as far as what's being offered online, that's a new opportunity for a lot of people to get into for free. So, um, sorry, I'm not going to say this virus is the great equalizer. I think that's the most racist thing. No, I, I think, think that's, that's true. garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's absolute garbage because we all know that, you know, people of color are dying at a much higher rate. So, yeah. But, uh, just saying there's some resources. So that is not my gold star. That's like a secondary gold star. Sorry, I went down the rabbit hole on this one. But uh, Bloody Mary is making me speak truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's making me speak. Um, so my gold star is a little bit more, um, it's not as organized. So I'll be honest about that. But basically, all the only freedoms I really have at this moment when I walk around, because I'm not an essential worker, when I go out and I take my dog for a walk or it's mainly just taking my dog for a walk, to be honest with you, but we're going for longer walks and I am just thrilled to see people decorating the sidewalk, decorating the streets, decorating their doors with hearts, all of that stuff, signs in the window, signs on your, you know, in your garden. It's been so interesting to see how people have come through and shown those signs. Like there's definitely um, a Northeast Minneapolis sign company that I can link here later that has a really great sign. that says, it's going to be good again. Like 
it says that like again and again on lots of different colors. It's like, it's going to be good again. Don't worry. Like, or like we're alone together, like with a giant Minnesota sign, but they also were the ones that were selling the signs for, you know, all are welcome here in multiple mm-hmm. languages throughout Northeast Minneapolis and that's, and Black Lives Matter signs. Like they're, they've pushed a lot of signs that people wanted to have in their neighborhoods and they picked up the charge and done some really sweet messages. And of course I live in an idyllic world and an idyllic city and a very special place. But I think that seeing chalk artwork like sidewalk chalk art every day that's not super special but really wonderful and it makes my day it really makes my day so um there's a lot of people like putting a message out there for people to see and I really appreciate it I don't know if everyone else is catching it the way I am but it gives me a lot more like humanity like faith in humanity and like makes me feel connected to others and I live alone it's just me and Tubi so like seeing that people have made things and talked about things or putting something out there. Also the little free library, a lot of people have now made them little free pantries or little free toilet paper dispensers Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that people can get things that they really need. And I feel like, um, again, I live in an idyllic world. I know that's not everywhere, but I do really appreciate seeing signs for people like giving away seedlings, like, Oh, I started all these seedlings of these flowers. Please take one. Like, I just, I find that very sweet. And um, I, I, it's a sloppy gold star, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's so. a sloppy time, right? This is not the time for perfection. <laughs> this is the time for connecting with each other and seeing the good in the places that it exists and trying to make sure that the most people possible have access to that. So yeah. if you have money, you need to be donating it to food pantries. Yes. And then when all of this is over, we need to have a real serious dead reckoning about how we value people's time and money. Because I think people right now are are not thinking about the fact that when they're whining about being in quarantine, you know, like they're, they're passing their time with music and movies and, uh, you know, handicrafts that are made possible by people that previously our society has decided they didn't want to fund. And maybe that was short-sighted. Same thing with people who are working at fast food places, grocery stores, postal workers. Like these are the people that make sure that you have what you need when the shit quite literally is as bad as it could be. They are making sure you don't die. And maybe they need more than minimum wage. Maybe minimum wage isn't acceptable, right? And maybe, you know, paid time off and maybe a little bit more some backup options for like their childcare and backup options for how they live. Because the fact that our economy just like, like the bottom fell out of our economy so quickly says that it wasn't that stable to begin with. Yep. Sorry, I gotta say it. And I'm com- I'm I'm speaking from my ivory tower, so I need to careful about like how I approach it. But honestly, like what we pay people is not a reflection of the work they do. Nope. So I'm with you on that. Um, I'll admit that I was pretty bummed out that uh, Bernie Sanders dropped out today, and um, because I really hope that we don't lose that traction. I don't. I'm not saying he's the best candidate ever, but it was more of a I really hope that we realize the 
the needs of our society after this pandemic is through, because I think he's a bit of a truth sayer in some ways about how we treat others. So it's given me a lot of thought. I'm with you. It's time to spread money now. Now is not. I understand that people want to like conserve what they have, but I'd rather spend it right now on people I don't know what their situations are because I'd rather make sure that they're getting what they need. Like I just bought two prints today. I got no place to put them in my house, but I want to make sure that I keep that store open because I love that store in LA. And I also, you know, I know I'm putting a lot of people at risk being mail carriers who are going to get that to me. So. There's a lot to be said about it, but I got to keep those things going. So, yeah. And I'm with you, DJ Mel, um, our favorite Saturday, uh, Saturday living room dance party dude. Um, he has brought so much attention to so many different causes within Texas that. Well, and, and nationally. And nationally, because his, um, the food bank, the Central Texas Food Bank, I definitely donated to upon his request for us to do so. And banding together in um, Austin. I just, you know, because it helped a lot of those artists that were, and not just artists, but like people who are going to be servicing South by Southwest, which is a huge, you know, long-term gig usually um, for a lot of people. I definitely donated to that, but it gave me so much more um, awareness of the other food banks I need to be giving to right now. Because the food bank lines are getting ridiculous. Yep. I've seen ridiculous footage of that right now. And I say ridiculous, like it's upsetting. It's upsetting to see so many people in such long lines to get food and not everyone's getting it. So, um, yeah, sorry. We went to a dark, darker turn here, but if you have money, give it, don't hoard it. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can find us on Instagram as Stitchcraft Sisters. And we appreciate everybody who uh, follows us there and comments on our posts. Um, If you have uh, charities that you think are doing really good work or communities that you think um, need additional support, like there are certain parts of the country that are definitely hit harder than others and there are parts of the world that are hit harder than others. So please, um, if you have an organization that you think is doing good work, share that on our Instagram and we will highlight it because we want to make sure that people know uh, who's out there doing the things that need to get done. I do agree that there's a lot of um, things to bring light to right now. So might as well. I'm into Absolutely. It. Thank you, guys. Take care. Stay safe and stay six feet apart. Wash your damn hands. It's way more important than gloves. Yes. Sorry. Don't use that. the gloves. Wash your hands. Stay at least two golden retrievers apart or the distance of the door that Rose didn't let Jack on at the end of Titanic. (laughs) That's how far apart you need to stand. Oh, Iowa City Police for making that reference that people understood what six feet was. (laughs) We'll post it on our Instagram so you guys see the joke. It's pretty great. (laughs) We love you all. Take care. Bye.